When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the PHNX Cardinals podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you're going to get $200 in free bets. It is that simple. Just remember to use the code PHNX when you sign up. Johnny, did you see this whole situation with the Bucks fan and Tom Brady's 600 touchdown ball. Um, Mike Evans gave a fan Tom's 600th touchdown ball and yeah. they wanted that ball back. So in return for giving the ball back, this fan by the name of Byron Kennedy received two signed jerseys and a helmet from Tom Brady, a signed Mike Evans jersey, and his game cleats, a $1,000 credit at the team store, and two season passes for the remainder of the season and next season. Is that good? Is that good? Okay, not good enough? No, not enough. Uh, So uh, casually, I was scoping around Twitter.com for what that ball could be worth on the secondhand market. I, there were people were throwing around six figures, uh, over a hundred thousand uh, dollars. That is a nice package by Tampa. That maybe gets you to maybe a quarter of that, maybe maybe twenty k, maybe twenty five thousand. But I, in the moment, Cheerson probably would have done the same thing just from sheer like I don't even know if I would have realized it was Tom Brady's six hundred touchdown pass. And I like I just wouldn't want to be an asshole. I would just be like, well, of course, yeah, let's give him his ball. But then I would have kicked myself the rest of the day. You would forever be known as that guy. And it's like, okay, yeah. really was the money worth it? Cause now everyone hates you. I mean, he wouldn't be that recognizable, but I wouldn't want to be that asshole either. I would just, it's unfortunate, but Hey, you got lucky anyways, that Mike Evans made the mistake and gave you the football. Just, you should be, ha- you came to that stadium just watch a football game and you're leaving that much richer with, I mean, if you're a super fan as well, which if you're paying for those seats, you probably are, then, you know, you got, you know, signed cleats, signed jerseys. I mean, you're still walking away way better and richer than you came to the stadium as. So be the nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I'm just I'm not that guy who would be able to just to run away with the football. Uh, now, if you remember, like when Barry Bonds broke his broke the Roger Maris's or Mark McGuire's like all time record for home runs, like people were diving for that ball in the in the crowd and like fuck Barry Bonds, he's like kind of a terrible <laughs> human being. I would definitely take that and and run with it. But Brady, I mean, say what you want about him, he, he's definitely committed and and deserves that. So I'm with you. All right, so let's get into some Cardinals, Packers chat. Some good news for the Cardinals, both Chandler Jones and Zach Allen. They are back 
activated off COVID-19 reserve. Um, Chandler Jones joined the team last week in workouts, uh, just hadn't been officially activated uh, until today. Meanwhile, the Packers' top receiver, Devontae Adams, and their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, have both tested for COVID. So we know how that goes. You've got, you know, you you have to have two negative tests in a 24-hour period. So it's not necessarily an automatic, yes, they're both out, but there's a pretty good chance. Yeah, it's one of those things where the Cardinals just, if you can hear Frankie, she's really beaten up about uh, the fact that that Devontae's (laughs) probably not going to play. She's actually a low-key Packer fan. Um, No, but it's it's frustrating because you consider Chandler Jones just went through this situation where he was out for two games, lost 15 pounds. Cliff Kingsbury subsequently missed. Hang on, what's Okay, sorry about that. Um, What happened to Frankie? She's just a, a devil child. She's <laughs> going through a two-year sleep regression, and oh. we're, all paying, we're all paying for it right now. I'm disassembling her crib tonight. She's been crawling out of her crib, hiking her little chub leg over, and it's going to break her <laughs> neck. So my wife's very emotional about it. It's our last kid, by and large, and just shit's hitting the fan at the venerable household. But in terms of the Cardinals and how this how this plays out for the team, to me – I mean, it's just part of the dynamic of you're playing without some of your best players because of the pandemic. It just goes with the territory. The Cardinals, you know, say what you want about them. They have depth at outside linebacker that you could argue maybe outplayed Chandler Jones each of the past two weeks with how Marcus Golden, Devon Kennard, J.J. Watt has played. The Packers, they've played without Devontae Adams for large stretches in years prior, but I would argue right now, with all due respect to DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams is the best receiver going, and especially when you consider all the touchdowns he scores. So for him not to be in this game on Thursday Night Football, it's already a quick turnaround time. And then I saw, I don't know if you saw this, Jerson, Aaron Rodgers, like his back was like tightening up Sunday morning before his game against Washington, and he had to have treatment on his back. The Cardinals, I mean, to, to have a great season, you have to have great players. Things have to break well for you, and the Cardinals could conceivably catch a break here. They, they're getting a Packer team that is six and one, but by and large, they're going to run away with that division. This 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 game probably more than likely has more implications when you think about future seeding in the NFC pl- playoff picture. And to not have Devontae Adams, uh, for, to, to be missing your defensive coordinator on top of it on a short week when you have to game plan, and for Rodgers to be a little bit beat, beat up, you sent me a list of potential Packers that could miss this game. I don't know what the Cardinals injury report looks like. I would imagine it's going to be robust when it's released tomorrow and you have a chance to connect with the team. But, I mean, they, they, they're they going to be in a very uh, a beneficial position on a short week when they don't have to travel and Green Bay does. And you think about everything that this team's gone through this year and overcoming adversity. Now it's time. Maybe they're going to be the benefactor of it. Yeah, the Packers have had their fair share of adversity throughout the season as well, but not every team is built like the Arizona Cardinals are. And what they did almost seamlessly losing their head coach and moving all their pieces and losing, you know, multiple starters on both sides of the football and not skipping a beat, going 2 0 in the process, having their head coach join their team. Uh, you know, Sunday morning, I had to come up with two plans of, you know, one, if he's going to be there to be able to coach and call the plays and one, if he's not, and, you know, adjust again on the fly. And 
you know, not every team's going to be able to overcome that. I think the Packers are going to use this as a week to where they're going to find out what they're made of as well. They're going to find out what their locker room is made of, um, their mentality, are they bought in? Um, because, you know, I don't know that they have the depth on the coaching staff or on their team to be able to overcome something. And what we also learned last week is just because you've got a positive test and it's right now it's one player and it's one coach, it doesn't mean that more positive tests are coming. Uh, the Cardinals had positive tests leading up to that Cleveland game seemingly every day. One day it was Chandler Jones, then it was Zach Allen, then it was Cliff Kingsbury, then it was Corey Peters on game day that traveled with the team. So, again, we're not rooting for this to have a COVID outbreak. I mean, the Cardinals probably want their best shot against the team. I mean, it's it's a litmus test to see how far you've come with this rebuild. Then again, you just you smoke the Rams, you smoke the Browns, Tennessee looks good, you won by double digits there. I just think that their receiving core, to your point, Cheerson, it is relatively average, in my opinion, after Devontae Adams. I mean, Randall Cobb, once upon a time, was a really good player. He's not that anymore. And then there's a lot of, like, Amari Rodgers and Alan Lazard. Uh, their running game, to me, I think is is more uh, scary for this team. And I think that if you are missing Devontae Adams, probably could see uh, Aaron Jones play a little bit of receiver. They're going to try to pound the ball. Uh, with their backup running back, potentially A.J. Dillon, who's a load. So their defense, to me, is always going to be just kind of marginal because I don't I don't fear their pass rush, right? Preston Smith's been in and out of the lineup. Kenny Clark's a nice player. You know who's having a really good season for them is, is Devondre Campbell, who was, of course, in Arizona last year. He was signed, like, over the summer into the, into the preseason. So now, I, I just they did on- just sign from the Texans, so it's a little comical just because all things considered, but uh, they did just, they just sign uh, outside linebacker Whitney Merciless, and oh. he had a great game for them in his debut on Sunday versus Washington did. football team. So they do uh, pro- – I don't know that a lot of people know that they've got that weapon now. They just acquired him. Yeah, he was a great player coming out, I think, the University of Illinois, and for a little while he was partners with J.J. Watt, both of them as their bookend edge rushers in Houston – so maybe that's a long-term play. I know Rashawn Gary, who they took in the top 15 uh, a couple years ago, has been a disappointment. Um, really, it's it's their secondary. And if they don't have Jair Alexander, which by and large, it doesn't look like they will, uh, on top of potentially David Bakhtiari, who may be the best left tackle in football with Chandler Jones returning, Aaron Rodgers carries this team year in and year out. Um, and I think that by and large, they benefit from a poor division. I'm not saying that I, I think that this team is is fraudulent by any stretch of the imagination. Rogers is fantastic, but you just you look at the history of this Packer team when they face elite competition in the NFC West. Rogers has never beaten the Arizona Cardinals in the postseason. He consistently loses to the Niners. To I, he did beat the Rams last year, but historically the Seahawks. You know when the when the Niners went to the Super Bowl, they ran through Green Bay. I just think that. The mindset of this Packer team is is very finesse, right? It's a lot like what the Cardinals used to be criticized for when they had Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner. I think the Cardinals can push around this Packer team. You can make Aaron Rodgers uncomfortable. He's having a good year. He's not having anywhere near the year he had a year ago. He's regressed slightly. No, so but to can, me, if, who would have thought, though? Who would have thought at the beginning of the season, uh, like off season, heading into the beginning of the season, after the first loss, uh, it was like, oh, my gosh. 
the Packers are trash. Aaron Rodgers is trash. He's he's checked yeah. out. Uh, now six and one, and we're talking about a big time matchup in Week Eight. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's I, I'll be honest with you, Cheerson. I would never admit this to our GM Saul, but I was thinking about the Packers covering the Houston game on Sunday. I'm like, God, I can't wait for Thursday. I can come back here. Oh, I admitted Packers, it. Packers Cardinals. I on, said that on, on the broadcast. <laughs> well, there you go. I found myself at times like trying to multitask while watching the game. And, you know, the, we've gotten so spoiled with this team, at least I have, where I'm just like, shit, they're up like 20 points every quarter. Kyler Murray, I saw a fun stat, not to get off topic. He's the number one fantasy quarterback in the NFL in the first half. He's number 17 in the second half because they're just, they're blowing people out. They're running the football. He's not on the field as much. You know, they pulled him on Sunday. So I, it is unbelievable how, and I'm really not accustomed to it yet, but it's like conceivably every Sunday, it's like, well, if they don't win by double digits, it's a disappointing loss. Whose franchise are we talking about? What team is this? Uh, I, I do think Thursday will be close, but I mean, the Cardinals are four point favorites. I mean, is it fair to wonder, is that number going to increase now as the season goes on or as they're, the week goes on? They're what favorites? They are. When I checked this morning, they were plus, they were minus four. When the line came out yesterday, it was minus three and a half. I think so they're, they're like six and a half now. Oh, really? So it's gone up two points now with the absence of Adams and their defensive coordinator. Oh, six. I'm sorry. They're up. They're six point favorites now. So the, so the line has gone up three and a half points since it debuted yesterday. That's, that's pretty wild. That's pretty unbelievable. Uh, so would you, you're right. Here it is. So you're, you're taking, taking the Cardinals uh, and the points. I mean, like, I think they're almost perfect minus one game against the spread this year. Like for all the flack that people gave them with their big spread this week, like they covered the spread yesterday. They, they, they covered the 18 to 20 point spread. They won by, what was it? 26 points. Uh, and it felt like, yeah, they screwed around in the first quarter. Um, I think the only game they didn't cover was maybe Minnesota uh, when they won by, I think, a, a single point. I like I how you put on like your that. Minnesota accent. Definitely didn't, definitely didn't mean to do that. Just kind of <laughs> happened organically. So, yeah. So, I think <laughs> this podcast is off the rails, man. I think they're <laughs> – I'm always trying to get Cheerson to crack up. It's just the dumbest shit that I say that ends up doing it. So, they played seven games. They're 6-1 and one against the spread this year which means they've covered or out right one in six of the seven instances. Again, the only one was against the Vikings. I'm not going to say where they're from. Uh, so if they want to keep that up, they need to, they need to win by more than six on Thursday night. All right. Well, if you want to get on the, in on the action and you have not signed up and downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app, do so. Make sure you use the code PHNX when you sign up. But as always, it's 21 and over. Arizona only. If you're going to be out of state on Thursday, it's not going to work. Gambling problem, though, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And before I move on, not only was I on Sunday during the game already looking forward to the Cardinals playing the Packers, I was already looking forward to the fact that we're going to have a big tailgate party at the Lola with uh, in conjunction with bird gang travel. It is yep. now all of our presale tickets ha- are gone. So it's now $65 for a ticket. 
from two to five, you're going to get an open bar and a buffet and you get to hang out with all of us. So Shit. what wouldn't you want? What more do you want for? for an open bar and a buffet and you get to hang out with Frank Sanders and get his autograph, get your photo taken with him. He'll take a photo with anybody. So yeah, that's, that's, he'll be in, he'll be in rare form. We, a little we concerned keep... about the open bar with Frank, but just about I'm, to I... say we gotta. Can we get him to the post game show so <laughs> fully intact so we can get through the evening? Hopefully, a Cardinal victory. The the pregame and the postgame for Frank may look starkly different as the night progresses. It's going to be a tall task, Johnny. You're in charge. I'll be decision. <laughs> You're in charge of that. Or Saul. We'll make Saul do it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. We'll make Saul do it. All right, well, this is the first time the Cardinals and Packers have faced each other since 2018. The Cardinals have won the last three times that they've faced each other and four out of the last five. There's also some other interesting, fun facts surrounding this game. It is the first primetime regular season game between the two teams. Okay. Uh, the, The Packers and Cardinals... Obviously, they combine for a 13 and one record and a winning percentage. Uh, that is the best combined win percentage for Thursday. Get that that was a stupid one. I'm just gonna stop right there. That was too much. I don't know why I had that one in there. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was dumb. That's like one of those ones. Okay, so the Packers and Cardinals combined for a 13 and one record and a winning percentage. That's the best combined win percentage for a Thursday game in October or later in the Super Bowl era. No, that's too much. That is like trying it. too hard. No, you don't think you're. So? That's doing your homework. That's being a committed journalist, and <laughs> professional broadcaster. That's not just hey, the Cardinals and the Packers have a combined thirteen and one record. That's the kind of shtick bullshit that you're getting from everybody else. But here, we're going deep. <laughs> um, okay, thank you, Johnny, for for sticking up for you're that. Um, Green Bay is looking for their first win in Arizona since two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time they've met on a Thursday since uh, Thanksgiving in 1935 when the Ooh, Packers fun. visited the Chicago Cardinals. Mm, I remember it well. <laughs> and then um, including the postseason, two of the last three games between the two have gone into overtime. So there's your fun facts. I was actually at the last meeting, 2018 Lambeau Field. I went as a fan with my dad and had my Josh Rosen jersey on, sporting it proudly in 2018 as the Cardinals oh, won their, their third game of the season and route to the number one pick. They actually played relatively well that day. The defense played inspired for Steve Wilkes. Uh, Chase Edmonds is a rookie, scored two touchdowns. Cardinals won, and Mike McCarthy was fired as we were driving home which was a lot of uh, a lot of fun. I got to experience Lambeau Field for for the one and only time. It literally you park on a street by people's houses and you walk across the street and there's the stadium. It's just like if you dropped it in not like suburbia but just in this blue collar area. Uh it is definitely uh a sight to see, although now that I've gone I don't really care to go back because it was freezing and and snowing that day, so yeah, I need to go to Lambeau Field at some point in my life. It's definitely on my bucket list, but I think it's like a one and done type of thing. Uh, the cold just is sounds miserable. In fact, uh, Lambeau Field, it was high on my bucket list of stadiums. The other one, which I'll forever kick, I might have mentioned this at some point, I'll forever kick myself. I always 
wanted to watch uh, a Raiders game at the Coliseum, and I mm. will never get that opportunity, and it haunts me. I would think if the Cardinals play the Packers, there could be an opportunity to visit Lambeau Field in the postseason. Now, we hope that that game's at State Farm Stadium, but you never know. Uh, I don't know how this team would do, uh, not to knock any guys, but how this team would do late January in Lambeau Field with a lot of the players that they have who have been accustomed to this beautiful climate we have in Phoenix. That would be a stark contrast. A lot of their players are from the West Coast. Buddha, Byron, Christian Kirk, uh, Kyler's from the South. Playing in the Midwest, I mean, you'd have to rely on like the J.J. Watts in the world, especially if they had to go to Lambeau Field and play the Packers. It's a little bit concerning, too, when they go to Chicago in November, and it's going to be cold then uh, unless they get a break and, and how that's going to go. So they've been they've been able to avoid those kind of matchups in, in years prior, but when you play the NFC North, that, that tends to rear its ugly head. So this game might, be, uh, might have a little extra emotion surrounding it for Christian Kirk because that game in 2018, Christian broke his foot in it. And so he mentioned that today. He was like, yeah, my last taste of the Packers, I broke my foot and I didn't forget that. Yeah. (laughs) So I hope for his case he goes off. Yes, absolutely. That was a fun rookie class. I thought the Cardinals were, oh, we got Josh Rosen and we've got Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds and Got two out of three right. Got to, got two out of the three future building blocks, and then I was the one and only time I got to see uh, number. What number was he? I have his jersey in my closet somewhere. Was Rosen two or seven? I don't remember. I blocked it out. Oh um, my! I don't even. That's crazy. It's, it's like literally oh, you block. Three. He was three because he wore yeah. three at UCLA. I think, or did he not? You want me to look it up? Yeah, I thought this was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just? It just feels like like decades ago that that happened, and it was literally three years ago that he was on this team. Now he's potentially could be out of football soon. Poor bastard. Yeah, it's taking me too long to look up whole jersey numbers. So we shall move on. Um. <laughs> he's two. He was two. No, he was three. I was right the first time. He was. He's. <laughs> So he's been on so many goddamn teams now. He's got different jersey numbers everywhere he goes. Yeah, he, he wore the number three for the Cardinals, um, just like Palmer did. So I actually saw somebody at the stadium with a Rosen jersey when I was walking in yesterday. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, he unfortunately, I have nothing against the guy, but he unfortunately is is a non-factor. And so it's easy to forget which jersey number he wore or wears currently. Where he's I mean, even yeah. at currently. <laughs> I think he's on the, he's, I think the Falcons backup quarterback. He's yeah. been with the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Falcons, the Buccaneers, the Niners, and he was drafted in 2018. Man, oh man. Well, it's a tough league. All right. Before we move on, I want to remind you again about DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code PHNX when you download it to get some free money, free bets. You combine multiple bets from the same game. You're always going to get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Love that. You know what I also love? A little Manscaped. Manscaped.com, promo code PHNX. Site-wide, you get 20% off. You get free shipping. 
You want to stay groomed, especially if we're looking past Halloween. I know Halloween's this weekend, so if you want to hold out, you want to look like the Wolfman this weekend, you want to get trimmed up for the holiday seasons. If you got that family Christmas card, Thanksgiving card that you want to send out, don't look like a big-time dirt. Get cleaned up with Manscaped. Lawnmower 4.0. They've got razors, trimmers. You can go inside and outside, all good things. They've got the body gel. That's manscaped.com. Promo code PHNX, 20% off site wide, free shipping at Manscaped. So we've talked about this pretty much all season long. The Cardinals adopting the 1 0 mentality, which I at times roll my eyes out at because I'm like, I you you just hear that from every team, every coach at every level of football. So I asked Jordan Hicks today, he's you know, he's one of the leaders on the team. What is the difference between it being coach speak and just something, another thing that all coaches say to their teams or all teams try to preach and practice versus it being something that the team is completely bought into. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think it's ownership. Um, you know, I think the good teams have ownership within the locker room and uh, the things that, that take place on the field, the coaches don't necessarily have to correct. It, get, it gets corrected within. Um, and so, you know, I think that's what we have. You know, upstairs did a great job bringing in, you know, leadership and, and guys that have seen what it looks like to win. Um, and you know, over the past few years, the guys that have been around, we've been able to to build that uh, camaraderie and that foundation of of how things are going to be established, and and how we're going to do things day day in and day out. So um, the combination of both of those, I think, you know, it's all come full circle, and uh, we're at a place right now that um, you know we hold each other accountable. We don't we don't have to wait on coaches to to stop plays or to to you know give us different looks. Um, you know, we, we ask for those things ourselves. So uh, I think I think that's what you're seeing. All right. And I also thought it was interesting because I asked Christian Kirk a question about sort of if they have more faith or respect in their coaching staff, seeing them navigate the last two weeks of, with all the moving parts and stepping into new roles. And Christian's response was a little telling. He he responded in a way of giving more credit to the players where he said, you know, look, our, our coaching staff has confidence and we have the, in us and we have the talent where they can just say, you know, go ahead and go out there and let it rip. And obviously it's not as simple as that, but you're, you're hearing a lot from the players that indicate they have tremendous belief in themselves and each other and realize just how much talent is on this football team. It's uh. I thought coming into the season, objectively top 10 to 12 roster, I'm like, yeah, you know, they've got playoff level talent. They were good enough to make the playoffs last year. And frankly, the coaching let them down. This year, their coaching has been above average. Some would say elite. And their roster is right now in the NFL. I mean, there's only maybe one to two other rosters. You look at Tampa, maybe you look at a, a Buffalo, maybe as superior on the same level. You know, once upon a time, I thought Cleveland had the best roster. That's not the case anymore. I would say the Cardinals and Tampa Bay have the two biggest collection, greatest collection of talent in the NFL, especially from a coaching and player personnel standpoint. And so I understand where Christian's coming from. I mean, you look in your receiving room and you've got probably a future Hall of Famer at, in DeAndre Hopkins, maybe a future Hall of Famer at tight end in Zach Ertz, A.J. Green, who's probably on the all-decade team, right? Rondell Moore, 
who you're competing against for snaps, and he's a rookie. And then you look at the offensive line. Uh, Rodney Hudson, when he's healthy, is an all-pro center. You've got two tackles who are bookend tackles. You, Justin Pugh's been a Pro Bowl alternate. And then on the flip side, I mean, the Cardinals' collection of de- defensive talent, while some are not as acclaimed as others because they're early in their career, I mean, how many first-round picks do they have at linebacker? Simmons, Collins, Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden was a high second-round pick. Their defensive line has, you know, J.J. Watt. Their secondary has maybe the best safety in football, Buda Baker. They've got corners that they're excited about. I mean, and they're deep, too. I think that's the biggest thing that we've harped on. Their interchangeable pieces defensively specifically are staggering. And, again, I would credit Vance Joseph for that more than anything because guys, Dennis Gardak, Devon Kennard, Jordan Phillips, that have had to come and sub in in recent weeks know their role and their responsibility. So I, I, I think there's a caveat to be put on both of those. What I would also say is I'm watching that Jordan Hicks fight and how he's led this team and players gravitate toward him. And I saw that photo after Zach Ertz's touchdown of like he's front and center embracing Zach Ertz and the fact that he was recruiting Zach Ertz over the off season. And then I think back to, you know what happened on March tw- or May 12th of this past uh, spring, Cheerston? It was the day the Cardinals said, you can go and seek a trade partner. Uh, we're going to go in a different direction. And now here we sit on October 25th. And is there a top five to seven more valuable player on, on the Cardinal roster from a leadership standpoint? I'd argue no. No. I in, Emphatic no. Jordan Hicks has been tremendous in that regard. Not to mention he's been a tremendous football player for them as well, which is something that was overlooked heading into this season. And during the offseason, he also had Ertz stay with him over the summer as he was rehabbing and was basically trying to figure out a way that Ert had, he could convince Ertz and a way that, you know, it would make sense for him to fit in on the team. So like he was mm-hmm. talking to Ertz uh, about possibly coming to Arizona a long time ago, like more like earlier than most people uh, are aware of. It's like, has there ever been a move that was more telegraphed that needed to happen for this team the minute Max Williams went down and I always thought it made sense even before the season. I just, I didn't think the Eagles and their stubborn ways would, would allow it to happen. Kudos to Steve Kime, man. I mean, I tweeted this out on Sunday. The guy gets Marcus Golden for a sixth round pick last year, extends him for $9 million. He's one of the best outside linebackers in football. He gets all of these bargain bin free agents like AJ Green, James Conner. I mean, and then he trades for Zach Ertz and then he leads the team in receiving yards and scores a touchdown Sunday. I just think when you get good Steve Kime, it's very good. It's GM of the year good. And that the Cardinals are clicking on all cylinders. I would argue with Christian, it's in part because of the players, but who's bringing those players in? I mean, there's a lot of garbage that's, you know, for lack of a better term, with all due respect to players, that's available in the offseason that you can go invest in, and it's fool's gold. I mean, has there been a recent acquisition or signing by Steve Kime? It hasn't worked out famously. I, the only one I can think of is, is Malcolm Butler, and they recouped that money because he retired. Yeah, the Malcolm Butler situation seems like it was like five years ago at this point, right? <laughs> it does. It does. It's like, hey, we've moved on. We're fine. Marco Wilson's really good. And and no and 
shockingly surprised at that, just how everything has unfolded because I was really worried after he retired. And I mean, credit to to the entire team that they, you know, didn't skip a beat in that regard either. And what a tremendous debut for Zach or it's so fitting. He scores his longest touchdown ever in his career and his debut with a new team. I mean, it was a perfect way to, you know, get an in, in introduction into the Cardinals offense and the Cardinals fan base and just a, a big welcome to Arizona. I was thrilled that he was able to score on Sunday. You could tell how much it meant to him to be embraced by his teammates, players he's familiar with here, the coaching staff. And I know he's got allegiance to Philadelphia, but like he doesn't really know Nick Sirianni. He's only played with Jalen Hurts for a season and a half. I mean, the guys he lived and died with on those Eagle teams that were competing for championships that won, those guys are out of Philadelphia. So you could tell, specifically in the post-game press conference, just how fortunate he feels to be a part of this group. It's like, hey, I went from a rebuilding team where people might get fired and there's uncertainty all up and down the roster to, hey, this team's undefeated, and I'm going to come in here and have a significant role, and they're going to plug me into the offense right away. And they're going to, I think he got targeted six times yesterday, should have had two to three touchdowns. His, his end around where they thought he fumbled, he was down at like the one yard line could have easily scored there. Kyler Murray missed him uh, on a seam route in the end zone that he would have walked in for a touchdown. I mean, like I probably underestimated the impact of this addition. I I think he's going to have a really productive role in this offense that's not just going to be a complimentary aspect like Max Williams was, who did a great job in his role. But it just Hopkins said it best yesterday. I'm surprised he said this. He's like, yeah, Max and those guys, they did a great job basically of what they were asked to do. But Zach Hertz is a Pro Bowl tight end, and they got him for 30 cents on the dollar. Hop will speak his mind, man. That's for He sure. will. He was like, oh, yeah, we have an elite player at this position suddenly. So I think for Zach, there was a few things – his first day out at practice, he was wearing, and it might have been every day out of practice, but I know for sure the first day he was wearing an Eagles bracelet. And then I think I saw him throw a a ball to a an Eagles fan that was at the game. I saw that. And I think he probably connected more with the community the fan base he's very involved in giving back and philly is one of those sports towns cities where if you're loved you are loved you're amazing yep yeah and so i think that is where the difficulty, I think it has less to do with the football side of things, like the difficult aspect of it was less about, oh, I just really want to play for the Eagles and more about, man, this city gave me so much and this fan base gave me so much that I I hate to leave that aspect, but I think he's thrilled to be a part of the Cardinals and I hope that he sticks around and is able to also develop a relationship with the community here in Arizona. I would be pretty surprised if, and I don't know this, uh, and we'll have to do some sniffing around, but I would be pretty surprised if the Cardinals and Steve Kime weren't able to work out an extension with him, especially if he blossoms in the second half of this year. They willingly took on all of his money from Philadelphia. That's part of the reason they got the trade done. Uh, They ate up the rest of his contract for this year. Um, You know, 
the cornerstone players of this team and the Cardinals are going to have some turnover on the roster. And I don't want to jump ahead to next off season, but the cornerstones of this team are set. Watts not going anywhere. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. And those are the players that he inevitably is going to gravitate toward on top of hopefully he builds a rapport with, with head coach Cliff Kingsbury, who you know, we mentioned yesterday, he just met for the first time yesterday, which was fun. Uh, and not in person for the first time. He had seen him obviously on, on zoom calls, but I, I think that the plan was just like Marcus Golden, you bring him in midseason to help you in the now, you work out a deal in the offseason. Kime uh, will willingly give up a day three pick for you know a Band-Aid free agent, but if it's to the team's benefit, I mean, you think Zach Ertz wants to relocate and consistently move around, he and his wife, his family. If he's embedded in this culture and wants to be here, the Cardinals haven't needed the position. I mean – People who are acting like this is not a significant move in 2019, which was two years ago, if you remove 2020 pandemic season, he was banged up. Philadelphia as a team was awful. In 2019, he was a Pro Bowl tight end, 916 yards, six touchdowns. Year before that, 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns. Year before that, 800 yards, 800 yards, 800 yards, 700 yards. I mean, like when he's healthy and productive and, and plays 16 games, you're getting seven, 800 yards minimum. For a player that, I, I get it, he's 31, tight ends age relatively well in this league. You you see him, as I did yesterday, he looks like a basketball player. He's lean. He's He probably hasn't put a ton of of um, damage and, and excess weight on his joints. Takes good care of himself. So I, I definitely would think it would be advantageous for both parties to work something out. Especially, I mean, he has a rapport with Kyler Murray. You can't let that go. I 100%. Yeah, that, that's extremely important. Is it too early to start talking about the Cardinals being a Super Bowl contender? Or is 7-0 and with 10 games remaining enough of a litmus test to be able to say, no, these this team is a legitimate contender? I think we're there. I think we finally reached it. Um, we've, we've overcome. We The team has overcome adversity. In so many different facets, they slayed divisional dragons in both San Francisco and L.A. They beat up on two, you would think, AFC preseason contenders in Tennessee and Cleveland who want to be physical, and the Cardinals out-physicaled both teams. And then they've won close games where, I mean, listen, the Rams barely beat the Detroit Lions in L.A. yesterday. Like, those kind of games happen, right? So for those that are quick to judge the Cardinals' performance in Jacksonville, I mean, like, you can't be – you know, the 72 Miami Dolphins and win every game by, you know, 20, 30 plus points. Like this team is still learning how to win. And so I'm not in the business of, of making excuses, but at the same time, I'm going to give them grace. I, I think that if they win on, on Thursday night, it's, it's going to be historic in so many different ways, but especially because like what is left to prove outside of you just stack wins the rest of the season, the, the, the remaining teams on their schedule. I mean, of course, you've got a showdown with the Rams uh, in Arizona later in the season. That will dictate a lot because the unfortunate part is, Cheerson, the Cardinals cannot coast to a division title like Green Bay can, like Dallas can, like Tampa Bay can. And maybe that's a good thing for them. They're going to have the L.A. Rams on their tails every week. And so if they slip up, potentially you go from a number one seed or a number two seed to, I mean, a wild card team. Now, the best wild card team, but even so, you're, you're going on the road to play a Dallas maybe in consecutive weeks to end the year. So I think it's, yes, I think they're Super Bowl contenders because I think they have all the ingredients of a Super Bowl. You have to have an elite Pro Bowl quarterback. 
You have to have an above average offensive line, weaponry, and then you can you got to be able to rush the passer. Cards do, Cardinals do all that exceptionally well. It's just can they fend off the Rams to win the division so they're hosting playoff games and not traveling on the road come come January. But then I say that their most competitive emphatic performances this year have all come on the road. So who knows? Yeah, I think you have a point, though. I think this is one that you're trying to make is it could be to their benefit that the race is so close with the Rams because they don't have the luxury of letting their guard down at any point in the season. So, yeah, that absolutely, in terms of a mentality aspect, could be beneficial to them. I don't think they have anything left to prove at all from my perspective. I mean, every single week has offered another opportunity to have an excuse as to maybe why they wouldn't win a game. Right. And the, the different adversity that they faced, um, whether it's football related or personnel related or whatever the case is at this point, it's like, come on. I mean, I don't even think they need to beat the Packers in order for me to, especially when you've got, you know, you're facing a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, and you could lose, I don't care how good you are. You could lose at any point, you know, with him on the other side of the field. So um, they've proven enough. Even if they lose on Thursday, I still think they're a contender. Um, but, you know, they they know that they've got not only an undefeated record on the line, but, you know, they want to win the division. And it's it's going to be a race probably till the end with the Rams. The only thing that gives me pause is that the Kingsbury are up. Um, and I'm really going off of last year because the rookie year was an outlier season for everybody. They have to show they can win meaningful games in November and December, and they just haven't done that yet with Cliff. They they blew uh, several instances last year to beat division rivals, the Patriots. They they blew a bunch of games they should have won last year. Uh, this is a completely different team with different leadership. So, uh, and I think Kingsbury is the front runner for NFL Coach of the Year. I don't know how he can't be, um, but it just those late season football, winter football, or whatever you want to call it is different than August, September, October. Um, you, you start getting around the holiday season and you, and if you're chalking up victories, that, that means you're different. You're trending in the right direction. I think Tampa last year at one point was seven and five with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady. And then they got hot and they rode it in route to a championship, right? Cause everybody knew they'd figure it out. The Cardinals started fast last year and fell apart. So uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they've built up enough equity. And I think at minimum, I mean, they're going to coast to, they got Detroit on their schedule. They got, you know, I don't who the hell knows what's going to go on with Seattle and San Francisco. I, I think that they've got minimum 12, 13 wins on their schedule. Uh, and I think we'd be disappointed if they didn't get to 14, 15 at this, at this case. Yeah, I agree. We're going to have a couple more days left to preview this matchup. Brian's going to join us in studio tomorrow. So plenty of more things to say and to talk about. But Newman is staring at me with his leash. He's got to go potty. So I'm going to go take Newman outside and wrap this thing up. Giant, I'll see you in studio tomorrow. See you tomorrow.